Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing up another uh, listener Q&A. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's going on? I think in the last episode, Gina, or a recent episode, you said, I've made it this far without getting COVID. And I feel very similarly. Mm. However, I got the call last week from the school and I saw the number pop up and my heart sank. So this was the Tuesday afternoon before we are leaving for Atlanta on Thursday. I pick up the phone. Hi, Nicole. This is the principal. Like, you know, she gives her name. I'm so sorry to have to tell you Piper had a masked um, exposure uh, to COVID at school. We need you to come pick her up immediately. And you have a couple options. Option one is she can return. The exposure was a masked exposure the Friday before. So it had, it had already been you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and it was now well into Tuesday. So she said, I'm sorry, what is a masked exposure? So the student tested positive. However, when student was, when Shay, when Piper, that, that child of mine, when Piper was around that student, it, they were both masked. Okay. So why is that even, okay. In our school, that's not even a concern, but anyway. Well, so she said, okay, you can do nothing at all and she can come back on Tuesday. So a full week. Uh You can test her and get a negative on day five, which was the following day, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that's negative, she can come back to school on Monday or you can take her for daily rapid testing And so long as she has a negative, she can come to school. I immediately call my friend that works at the health department. And I'm like, oh, like on my way over to pick up Piper, just like FML, this sucks. Like, you know, just a crazy busy week. And her feedback was, well, that rapid test should be good for 24 hours. So if you get Piper tested today, Tuesday, she should be like basically good to go to school all day tomorrow. Right. And then you could just have her tested tomorrow afternoon and kind of repeat. Nope, that's not what the principal says. When I picked up, she was a little tense. You could just tell. And I asked the question, hey, I spoke with somebody at the health department. They said this. No, I'm sorry. That's not correct. She needs a rapid test every day. And that Mm -hmm. test is good for that day. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I immediately took her for rapid testing. She did awesome. It was negative. Well, the next morning, in order for her to go to school, she had to have a rapid test. The site that Mm -hmm. I took her to the day before was not open. So we made an appointment at Meyer. The earliest appointment was 930. I had to administer the test in the drive-thru of Mm -hmm. the pharmacy, of course. Let me tell you, with a five-year-old in the backseat, you're like, you know, just completely turned around. She's like tickling and wiggling and, you know, laughing and, oh, my, the, you know, the line is forming behind me. And then I hand over the test, you know, all like safe about it. And she goes, okay, it could be up to 90 minutes. I'm like, oh, that's like 1130. I'm like, that's her entire school day. It's not so rapid. So we did that on Wednesday. It took about it took about an hour to get results. Mm. And then I took her back to the alternate testing site on Thursday, 
which didn't open till 10. So she missed a significant amount of school last week, tested negative a bunch of times. I also got tested on Tuesday because I was there with her already. I'm like, I've been in close contact with her, like whatever, let's just do it. Particularly because we were traveling. I was negative. And then Mark, the day we're leaving, he's like, I'm just super tired. I don't feel like myself. I'm like, oh, for the love. I'm like, just go get tested. Just go to this because this really nice um, rapid testing site that actually was rapid yeah. <laughs> was open that day. They're only open three days a week. Anyway. Oh, my, oh gosh. my okay. gosh. It was such a nightmare. Yeah. So I feel like we've officially been, um, you know, welcomed into the COVID club or the COVID scares. But we were cleared, all of us cleared basically to go to Atlanta and we did so. And it it was the girls like first plane trip. They actually remember we did the aquarium, lots of fun, like food stuff. We went boating. It was just good family time all around. Really had a really nice trip. And when I asked the girls what their favorite part was, they said the magic stairs, a.k.a. the escalator. (laughs) Wait, had they never been on an escalator before? I don't know that they have. Really? <laughs> I don't I think mean, when so. we were growing up, they were all over because they were in malls. And that's what we did. We went to malls and right. malls don't really exist anymore. But I know. I mean, I mean, well, I guess I think the last time I, my kids were on an elevator or an escalator was um, actually either at the AMC at Easton here in Columbus or at, a, at an airport. Is that where they yeah. got on one in the airport? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's so, so that was funny. pretty cool. And After even at the aquarium, the we're we like, did. look at the amazing like albino alligators and the <laughs> hammerheads and like, oh, it was such a cool a- aquarium. Like it was so cool. And they're like, magic stairs. We want to go to the magic stairs. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. We had a good laugh about it. But it was good. It was a great. It was it was a good trip. Just tired. It's Monday night now. So we're back from Atlanta. And Gina and I are both like, yeah. ah, like mom life, right? Worked all day. We're rallying totally. for the podcast tonight. Oh yeah, for sure. What's, it's funny. I if we had to get our kids tested every time they had quote unquote masked exposure, we would have been tested at, at least ten times by now. Yeah, but I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because we keep getting emails from our school. Someone in your, actually, it was just twice now where someone in her class had COVID. But since they all had masked, and they, they actually determine who should get tested based on like who the person's friends are. I think. Uh huh. So I mean, obviously. Paige had been exposed to the person with a mask on. I mean, they're in the same class for six hours a day. Yeah. So I don't know how they how they determine who who will get tested. I'm not really sure how that works, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so life. let's bring the focus to holiday. What are your kids going to be for Halloween? I know it's early, but it is the first week of, of uh, October. Yeah. Do they know yet? No. You? No. We started talking about this a while ago. So at first, Paige wanted to be Matt, um, Evie from Descendants. And then Cameron was going to be Carlos. He's the the male character. I believe he is, I can't think of her name, uh, the 101 Dalmatians, um, uh, the the evil villain in 101 Dalmatians. They Carilla just made a movie about her. Yes. Oh. Carla DeVille's son is... Um, oh. Yes, that's that's who Cameron wanted to be. But of course, they don't make it in his size, which was unfortunate. So she's still going to be Ma- uh, Evie. I keep saying Mal. I was actually shocked that she wanted to be Evie because Evie doesn't really even wear a dress. She just wears pants <laughs> and a long sleeve shirt. Like, you want to be Evie? Okay, that's that's great. But also a blue wig. And then Cameron's going to be, this is so random, but Catboy. He's not even really into oh. PJ Mask anymore, but he wants to be Catboy. Cute. So, yeah. All right. I really have nothing else other than, have you read the book, The Husbands by Chandler Baker? No. Good? Okay. 
It was highly recommended. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to spoil anything. I'm really curious if any of our listeners have read it. I, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Fell flat for you. Uh, maybe a little bit. Yes. I am a slow reader in general. Like I don't, it takes a while for me to get through books because I just don't have time to read. This book has just been dragging on because I, I'm not pulled to it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm towards the end and I'm just like, ah, I finished this book for this. It's just ugh. kind of, I don't know, a bummer. I wasted a lot of time. It's not terrible. It's not a horrible book. I, I'm not sad that I read it, but it's just not. Oh, you're done with what it. I was hoping for. I'm not finished. I've got like five more pages, literally five more pages, but it's so I don't know. Maybe the last five pages will something will happen because it's the epilogue. Mm. Okay. Perhaps something will happen, but I'm just not at this point. And like, I've given up on very few books, but I had back to back books in September that I gave up on. Yeah. Yeah. And both are so highly rated. Like that one book, Untamed. Yeah, that was not that we both gave up on. Oh, I finished Untamed. It was a quick read. Oh, you and did it wasn't, finish it? I don't, yeah, it just fell flat for me. And I love Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle, is that her, that's her name, right? Yeah, Glennon. I think so. I really like her. I, I just felt like it was repetitive. It could have been, I don't Better. know, like an essay instead of a book. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps. Anyway. All right. All right, so moving on. Oh, I've got to give my little blurb about uh, making a writing a review. So before we begin, just a quick favor to ask, since you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they help us reach more people. So of course, we'd appreciate it so much. So every other month or so, we ask our listeners to send us all their burning questions, anything from personal questions to any nutrition and wellness question you've been eager to learn about. While we aren't pros in all areas of nutrition and wellness, we do research as needed and hopefully come through with the helpful information you've been looking for. So this time we're going to start with, this question was so good and I'm just so glad this person asked it. It said, after listening to two episodes back to back, I'm confused. In one episode, there seemed to be a big emphasis on never reading food labels. And then on the next episode, it was focused on how much sodium, sugar, et cetera, was in the food do you feed your kids? My question is, do you believe kids cannot eat intuitively? And is that why you read labels for your kids? Okay. I've got a lot to say here because I can completely understand why this listener was confused. So if you aren't aware of the last of the two episodes that this listener was referring to, when we interviewed Elise Resch from Intuitive Eating, the co-author of Intuitive Eating, we asked her if you could be an intuitive eater and also a label reader. In short, she said no. Looking at food labels is generally not a part of being an intuitive eater unless you have like a chronic condition that warrants looking at certain things such as salts or carbohydrates, for example. Then a week later or so, we recorded our episode on things we said we'd never do before having kids. Nicole and I talked about certain foods we give or don't give to our kids and the different amounts of sodium and sugar in those foods. We understand the confusion. First, I want to say we did an entire episode on raising intuitive eaters, and that was episode 51, if you're curious, and we will link that in the show notes. We do believe that kids are some of actually the best natural intuitive eaters. Kids are naturally good at listening to their hunger cues and eating when hungry and stopping when full, which is based on instinct. But their interoceptive awareness and their rational thoughts may be lacking a little bit. 
In other words, they may not be able to relate how they are physically feeling at any given time to any food that they ate or did not eat. So for example, if they have a tummy ache like Paige did today, they will certainly notice they're feeling off and they'll notice the belly ache, but they might not be able to be aware enough to think back and figure out why their stomach is hurting if assuming it has to do with something that involves food. So as we as our guardians and caregivers could probably deduce, okay, well, they did have a lot of sweets at that party today and then they didn't have much water to drink and really they didn't eat anything for dinner after eating all those sweets or something along those lines. I think it's our job to guide them in their intuitive eating journey and help them connect the dots and of course, lead by example in intuitive eating. Uh, When I look at food labels for my kids, it's really not to say this is a bad food. I'm not giving it to them, but more it's to compare and contrast two or three options that I know they'll like equally as much. And I do the same thing for myself, quite honestly. So for example, chocolate milk. Generally speaking, they'll drink any chocolate milk, although strangely enough, they won't drink the one from McDonald's, which is so odd to me. Um, But I know Fairlife has more protein, so why not offer that to them? If they'll drink any chocolate milk, generally speaking, but Fairlife has more protein, of course I'm going to offer that to them because they don't get that much protein in their diet, truthfully. I really don't think food labels are important, and I believe it's best to raise kids who make choices based on how they feel and their desire for those foods, so satisfaction. But we need to be their coaches and mentors in this area. The more we can talk with our kids about food and ask them how they're feeling and inquire about their desires for food and what satisfies them, the better off they will be in the long run. The less we discuss calories and carbohydrates and fat and sugar, the better. If allowed to naturally discover which foods make them feel best, they'll discover it on their own. And I was actually going back and forth with this listener on Instagram about how much we dread the food label lecture with our kids in school. Honestly, the last thing I want is for my kids to base most of their food choices off of a food label. Uh, So I'm definitely thinking about that. I mean, Paige is in first grade. I'm already thinking about when is that food label lecture going to be? What's it going to look like? Can I be a part of it? Because I do not want either of my kids to base their food choices off of a food label. It can certainly be a guide, but a small part of their decision making. Very, very minuscule. So what about you, Nicole? What do you have to say to this listener with this uh, this very, uh, I think it was a, a very well-written question? Yeah, a super good question. And an interesting time, I, I guess, for me personally as a mom, um, I am seeing, I would, I guess I would just say the body shape of my youngest change quite a bit. Um, in, in just the past like month or two, I've really noticed it. And I have noticed um, just some, um, I don't want to say concerning food things, but I'm attuned to it. So um, kind of just this, I I, I don't, yeah, just this, um, I, I I don't even know how to describe it, but just kind of this unpaced uh, way about eating. And it has led to some tummy stuff recently. And I guess somebody who, you know, I am on the journey of developing my intuitive eating skills um, where I think yours are much more refined. And I, I pull from that just my personal history and, and weight struggles and, and just body image 
you know, journey as well. So I I guess I think of myself as the decision maker for what's being brought into the house, um, not only for myself, but of course, for the kids too. And I would say labels are a part of that, albeit small. So I would say more so outside of the home, I think of food as being kind of free range for all of us, um, where what's inside the home is is probably a more controlled environment than what's outside of the home. And I, I'm I feel good about that. I, I think that's a pretty healthy approach, particularly because even though they haven't been on escalators, they are social creatures and have plenty of opportunity to partake in all the things. I guess what's interesting as a dietitian, just in response to this question as a whole, and I think you would probably agree, Gina, you and I probably read labels so much less than most people we know in our life, particularly those who are dealing with certain restrictions, either for their diet or some type of an intolerance. Um, and in my house, I mean, we're just fortunate we don't have any intolerances and most of our meals are also homemade. So I think I think that plays into it as well. My, my concern, just for lack of a better word, over the other stuff is lessened because it's simply not a focal point of our diets. Like we do eat at home the majority of the time from home cooked meals. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So if, I think the focus on whole food consumption is there. And it reduces any necessity or desire to kind of analyze those food labels. So I think for me, the approach is really like model for my kids what I think is important. And I think that eating food that's prepared is important. And that's kind of where I spend my energy and efforts, I guess. But yeah, yeah, interesting timing for me because I am seeing, I just want, and I'm pulling all of my personal baggage and history into this response. And I know that, but I want to just give my kids the best foot forward to not deal with just the struggles that I've had regarding my weight over the years. Mm -hmm. I have a question. So yes, I agree. I am definitely the gatekeeper for the majority of the food that comes into the house. And maybe because of that, I I already pretty pretty much know what I'm putting in my cart, you know, Mm -hmm. weekly. But there will be a time and probably pretty soon when I'm going to want to bring Paige to the store with me or Cameron to make decisions for themselves. Would you would you have your kids look at food labels in the grocery store or is that something that you would rather just kind of have them make their own decision and maybe just kind of gentle, gentle guidance without, you know, the objective label reading? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see myself bringing labels into that mm-hmm. discussion. No, I, I think it, I think kids do know. And, and I think the word healthy is thrown around, around a lot. Um, even in the schools, like what's a, a healthy snack for your leader day? You know, it, it, they just hear this stuff, right? And they know it by a certain age. What I've kind of gone to focusing on is just balance with the kids, mm-hmm. um, where we may talk about how many how many different fruits and like who won today, who had the most different, you know, variety mm-hmm. in their fruits and vegetables. And we'll talk about like five to nine servings a day. Things like that. And, and so Shay's done a good job. Like today, she told me what five fruits and vegetables she had today. Oh, very nice. And I thought she had that five that was, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> That's impressive. I'm, five different ones. I'm not saying it was a whole serving. <laughs> okay. And then dessert tonight was apples with um, caramel, like oh, dipping yeah. sauce. I made an apple crisp in the slow cooker yesterday. So mm. good. So good. Okay. Yeah. I, I would a, agree with everything you just said. That That's a hard one you said? Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, I just uh, I try not to bring my personal baggage into it, but it's it's tough and oh, it is. It's so hard. I completely agree. 
And it's so hard to choose the right words, you know, Mm -hmm. nutritious, balanced, instead of healthy, not healthy. But Mm -hmm. if you use those words every once in a while, are your children doomed? No, (laughs) they're not. It's okay. (laughs) But again, I think the best tip can be is, you know, practice what you preach. I don't want my kids to see me choosing my food based on what a food label says. I want them to see me choosing food based on what I know I will enjoy and what makes me feel good. So the more we talk about that, I think the better. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number two. Do either of you have a desire to open a private practice? Nicole, you can go first this time. <laughs> Once upon a time, perhaps, but currently not in the least. Um, and this is probably surprising to a lot of people, but nutrition counseling is probably my least favorite part of my job. I wouldn't say my least, but if I you just said it, yeah, it's not my favorite. I yeah, it's not my favorite. Um, on repeat, it would not. Yeah, I I couldn't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't enjoy my job if I counseled on diet and nutrition all day. That's why I always say I like diabetes. I like to talk about and adjust medications, use data for decision making, technology. That's why I'm really drawn to it. So if I opened a business of any kind, it would have to do with reaching a lot of people at once. Um, shocker, you know, we podcast, I blog, but I also think about things like YouTubing or public speaking. But I would say if I, any type of business that I started around nutrition, cooking, you name it, would have to be creative, involve cooking probably, or maybe anything like diabetes related. I'm just much more drawn to that mm-hmm. than like uh, being a one-on-one practitioner day in and day out. Yeah, Nicole, you and I, I would totally agree. I I do think about, are you finished? I'm sorry. I yes. Just, oh, totally. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, for a long time, thought about having my own private practice. I think about it still quite a bit, but I also know that the grass is always greener. So I have it pretty good where I am right now. And I feel like I always think to myself, oh man, things would be so much better if, you know, I had another job or if I had a private practice. But generally speaking, having a private practice is not as fun and worthwhile as it sounds. Uh, It takes a long time to grow that business. And I'm just not in a place right now where I have that time or energy or effort. Uh, Right now, I I feel so much mom guilt about the amount of work that that I have um, and I don't even work a lot. That's that's the thing. Like I, my job is relatively easy this time of year. It's not. I'm definitely working more this time of year. But you know, seven months out of the year, even I would say nine months out of the year, I'm not working a whole lot. Working normal hours, I should say. Um, but if I had my own practice, I feel like especially at the beginning, it would just be a lot of work, and I would take away a lot of focus off of my off of my kids who need it so much right now. Uh, and, and I agree with you as much as I think it would be so much fun to have a private practice where I'm talking, you know, one-on-one with people about intuitive eating all day long. I'm also, I can remember in previous jobs I've had when I would do consultations, it was fun for the first few hours. <laughs> and then after that, I was ready to just be done. So I, you know, I do have a limit. I agree with you. I would much rather, I would, what I think I would love to do is start a business where I do, I put together this five-week intuitive eating course, massive groups, large groups, Mm -hmm. instead of just individual counseling or a combination of both where I do half and half, half and half where I go to, you know, maybe do wellness workshops for different corporations or businesses or small businesses. And then 
The other half of the time, I could do private consultations. That way I'm not 100% doing a private consult. And then of course the podcast. So I agree with you. I, I do like consultations, couldn't do it forever. I would have to add in on there some type of a five-week course or a public speaking uh, somehow where I'm, I'm reaching more people than, than just one. I think you I would, like being creative and intuitive, um, uh, innovative. I, I would agree with that. Yes, I, I would. I, I think, gosh, I would. And then I just get, and you know how I am. I just get all these ideas. I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. And then it just gets overwhelmed. I'm like, ah, where, where mm-hmm. do I even begin? So I know there are people out there who actually help dietitians start their own business. And I used to think that was really weird. Now I think it's brilliant. And if I was ever to start my own business, I would certainly get in touch with one of those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, I have so many ideas and I, I need someone to tell them to and help me actually um, turn them into something and, and maybe tame me for a little bit. <laughs> I think the other thing to add <clears throat> and this is kind of for the dietetic students as I mean, as well as, yeah, I mean, that was probably the age I felt private practice was the sexiest, right? At that, mm-hmm. at the, I guess before yes. the real like workforce years <laughs> just brought about a, a wave of a wave after wave of reality. But um, I always went into dietetics thinking, Oh my gosh, whoever like walks into my office is going to be the most captive, you know, learner. They are just going to just soak up everything that I have to say, be so motivated, have endless resources that they can just throw my way and everyone's going to keep their like it, it was just flawless, right? I had this this vision of what being a dietitian was going to be that basically included everybody thinking what I said was like liquid gold and <laughs> was just going to be put into practice immediately. And the results were just going to speak for themselves. And I was going to be the best ever. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. Now I will say it makes a difference when someone's paying out of pocket and yeah. that's where I think there's a benefit of not taking insurance. Cause well, I shouldn't say that. Having your own business is different than being where I believe you are. Because I think I think a lot of times, correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be, people that you're meeting with have to meet with you in order to get insurance coverage for their diabetes equipment. No. Okay. So, but uh, I know that exists somewhere. Okay. I, I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking of outpatient care. Okay. I'm sorry, inpatient care. When I was doing my rotations, my clinical rotations in the hospital, that was the worst because I would sit with these people. Generally, they were just 15 minutes away from leaving. They weren't listening to a word I was saying. They were forced to be there. And there are plenty of other situations where someone might be forced. Oh, for example, someone signed up for bariatric surgery. You have to meet with a dietitian 10 times before having this surgery. Okay. They come in. I'm not saying they, none of them are motivated. Not saying that. But there are definitely, when you're actually not intrinsically motivated by something, you've got external motivation. It's harder to counsel those people. So then I guess if, so I have, I've been so far removed from private practice or counseling for a while. When you meet with clients to talk about diabetes, they're paying to see you. So I would mm. think that they're pretty highly motivated. Am I wrong? <laughs> I would say insurance coverage for diabetes is very good. <clears throat> um, okay. I, I think what's interesting is looking back at schooling is the um, stages of change. Like, are you pre-contemplation, contemplation, action? All of that was kind of an eye roll at the time. And now that is 
whether I like say those words, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm determining how ready are you to actually change? I think what I hate most is when people walk into my office, expect that I'm going to hand them something like a menu or a diet. Like, I don't even know what that means, but that's what people expect. And it's like, that's the cure. I mean, that's what's going to work. And it's, it's just not that way. It's, it's so individualized. It's so personalized. Like, why am I going to tell you to eat broccoli and chicken if you despise poultry and anything cruciferous? Is that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. There you go. Cruciferi. Cruciferi. (laughs) <laughs> um, my friend Dave calls them devil trees. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like sometimes that's what people expect out of a dietitian, and that's just not my jam. They don't realize that 90% of it is for them to do. Like we do about 10% of the work. They do 90%. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes that throws people off. You know, Gina, the funny part is I actually really like the people who come to me and don't want to be there. Oh, I'm like, I've got 60 minutes and you're going to like this by the end. Like it's a challenge (laughs) for me. Oh, I see. Okay. But when I did that strength finders, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, It's, it's kind of like a MBTI, MBTI. Oh my gosh. MBTI. Is that Myers-Briggs? Yeah. Myers-Briggs. Right. MBTI. I have no idea. Myers-Briggs personality test. Sure. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I don't know. Okay. So there's another, whatever, like test that is called strength finders. And one of my strengths is woo. I probably talked about this on the show a long time ago, but basically woo means that you are um, fed off of getting people like winning people over basically. Mm -hmm. And that is so rewarding to me when I have somebody who walks in just ticked off about life, being there, (sighs) mad about having diabetes, like whatever it is, like, you're not going to help me. And then they leave and they're like, when do I get to come back? And I'm like, sweet, gotcha. Um, That's super fun for me. That reminds me so much. When I used to work at a grocery store, I'll never forget this. I had a consultation. She, I couldn't find, I I was like, she's not going to come. Okay. I thought she just had canceled or just no call, no show. I see her sitting in the esthetician chair. There was an esthetician where I worked, by the way, uh, just sitting there pouting. She was an older lady. You could just tell she was in the war. I'm like, are you blank? Yes. I'm like, oh, are you here to see the dietitian? Yes. She was just <laughs> cranky. Just, I, oh, I'm like, oh, geez. I wooed the crap out of that woman. We are still friends on Facebook. She messaged me yesterday. <laughs> I wooed the crap out of that woman. <laughs> I mean, she came back for a few more consultations, even after that one. I mean, she went from, I'm just like, no, I'm not going to take this crap. We are going to go in. You're going to learn about how to eat healthy and you're going to come back again. So yeah, so we're friends now. <laughs> it's rewarding. It is. I, I would totally agree with you. When you first said that, I didn't, I didn't get it, but you explained it well. And I, and I have to say, I, I do, I do kind of, I know what you're saying. And I, and I agree in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's the stinkers. I'm like, I got you. If I don't have you now, I'm going to have you in 60 minutes. I love it. All right. Third question. What is the deal with alkaline water? All right. So I'll take this. Yeah, uh, please. First. There is, you know, I, I had to look this up, but I actually, it's funny. There's, okay. There's a popular brand of alkaline water called Smart Water. Now, Smart Water is not all alkaline. I did learn this because we actually sell this where I work. We sell the regular Smart Water, but also the alkaline water. So the smart water with that is alkaline has a pH of nine compared to seven, which is the typical pH of water, neutral. 
So what I think, I think this goes back to the whole alkaline diet where people try to eat foods that reduce their blood acidity levels and supposedly help them with weight loss and cure, quote unquote, all the diseases. So it's trying to make your blood more alkaline instead of acidic. To me, it's a joke. I did a a little bit of research, looked at the literature. There is zero zilch nada to support the need or benefit of the acid-based blood diet or alkaline water. Uh, Newsflash, our bodies are constantly working to keep our blood pH neutral. Uh, Let the bodies, let our bodies do the job. Uh, That's, you know, that's what they're for. It seems to be a huge marketing scam, just like in my opinion, vitamin water or the new vitamin booze that I've been hearing advertised. Not to say that vitamin water is a scam. Um, I actually really enjoy the taste of vitamin water, but if you're drinking vitamin water as your source of vitamins or for vitamins, like don't waste your money. Just drink it because it tastes good, in my opinion. Same with vitamin booze. I don't even want to get into that, but so lame. Um, Additionally, some people have reported gastrointestinal issues from the excess of basic water being consumed. And I'm not really sure why, but my guess is because it could increase your stomach pH. So if your stomach is supposed to be acidic, so if your stomach pH is not as acidic because you drink smart water with a pH of nine all day long, perhaps that can cause some GI issues. But I I did read that, um, that there have been some supports of people who drink smart water and only smart water having some GI issues. Otherwise, it's innocuous, but don't waste your your money thinking it's going to be a cure-all. What are your thoughts? I have none um, other <laughs> than a funny story. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I learned something there. I Again, I, I probably don't work with, work with a population that's um, up on that. Mm-hmm. The, only, the place I've heard of it most is in cancer. Um, but a funny story. I was seeing a cancer patient who was returning to jail. Don't know the details. Um, and she asked that I write a letter supporting the medical necessity for her to have a dozen lemons every day, as well as baking soda three times a day. And I just will never forget it. I, 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 I'm not, I'm truly not poking fun because this, this is her life. Um, and I, I do believe that she believed, I do believe she believed <laughs> in the value of the alkaline, you know, alkalinity, alkalinity yeah. that she's going to get from these foods. I, you know, this particular person was also an alcoholic. And so I just couldn't help but think you're an addict and returning to jail and you're worried about lemons and baking soda. Like it was just one of those moments that was like a head scratcher. Um, So I think it's one of those that you definitely, if this is something that you're considering is to just step back and look at the big picture for sure. Mm. Um, Because like you said, it it does not seem that there's much... uh, research in support of this at all is none and it can be really confusing so if anyone's thinking lemons aren't those acidic well i do remember learning about this Mm -hmm. in school this is so strange and i i I don't really know the mechanism here but lemons yes when you when you eat lemons it's it's acidic it's going into your body as an acid but then once it's broken down in your blood it actually is basic don't ask me how or why but that is so mainly fruits and vegetables are going to be high on the um, alkaline base type diet. You're going to want to eat more fruits and vegetables because they're more acidic, but then they turn basic in your body. Again, don't ask me, don't ask me how. And I don't know about the baking soda. That, that to me would sound like, I mean, I realize it's, it's basic, but 
if you use that same rationalization as the lemon, wouldn't it turn acidic in your body? But I don't get that. All I'm saying is, you know, here's the thing. If the acid-based diet or idea of, you know, neutralize or alkali alkalizing your body is actually, it actually works. If it did actually work, it would be because you're eating more fruits and vegetables. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the diet, it's high fruit and vegetables. That's how you, you know, prevent cancer. Oh. It's one of the many ways yeah. that you can prevent or reduce your risk for cancer. Uh, I didn't think of yeah, 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 that yeah. connection, but yes, you're yeah, right, yeah. spot on. Uh -huh. Okay. I used to get so confused by that because we did learn about this, uh, not the diet per se, but how, you know, different acidic foods can cause your body. We talked about acid base in, mm -hmm. I don't even think it was in like nutrition school. I think it was in chemistry actually, or it was in something I can't remember, but um, I just remember being very confused by that, but still remembering that lecture. <laughs> you remember more than me. Hmm. Uh, okay. I, just a quick, those were awesome questions. Thank you all. Um, yes. And if you think of something not too soon to send, um, I'll, I'll try not to lose it this time. So we tend to do these, what, Gina, every month or two or three? Every couple months, I would say. Yeah. So if you, if you have something, nothing off limits, just send it our way and we'll include it in the next Q&A. Uh, but before we end, just a quick follow-up from our episode 107, the the things we said we'd never do, which apparently was a well-loved episode. Thank you. Uh, but sweet, sweet Maggie uh, Maggio, she followed up with us about, we, we quoted her, um, well, referenced her in that episode. And she wrote this very thoughtful email in response. And I thought her her little pearls of wisdom were worth uh, sharing as a follow-up. So she shared that when compared to chocolate milk, when you compare chocolate milk and white milk, um, she said that we may not have been making the best comparison because at least in Minnesota, she said, uh, companies make chocolate milk that's specific to schools and that's lower in sugar. So the skim milk, the skim chocolate milk that she serves in her schools um, is USDA skim and has 18 grams of sugar versus 12. Um, that's in the 1% white milk. But she did say we were spot on with the satiety around offering milk three times a day. And she is kind of against that. She does work with a low income population that may have higher needs um, just for calcium, vitamin D and just getting those nutrients in when available. Uh, so again, kind of depends on the population, but I would say uh, for my kids, certainly the, the the vitamin D and calcium is is not a deficiency in their diet. The other thing she mentioned about the Lunchables is that the Lunchable brand Lunchables are crazy expensive. So she's guessing it's not those that my kids were getting in their in their lunches last year, but something called Any Timers, which is a New York based New York based brand um, that has like they're made with Jenny O turkey and whole grain crackers. And she said, oh. yes, it's processed, but she said it is pretty good quality and tend, tended to think that if Shay was getting a, a Lunchable, that that was what it was. Um, but she said due to cost that that was probably just a COVID move and that they've probably gone back to something like a chicken patty sandwich um, that uses like, what did she, uh, she calls it like whole muscle. Uh, I lost Whole it. muscle sounds right. Yeah. Whole muscle chicken. Whole muscle chicken. So yeah, that was just a, a nice little response. So um, yes, your children's chocolate milk at school is probably lower in sugar than your average store-bought chocolate milk. Or mm, maybe not. I wonder how that compares to Fairlife. I know we... Yeah, I can't remember. I I really don't look at labels. And I think a lot of the, the numbers that I spewed off on that episode weren't even accurate because I just don't look anymore. Um... Yeah, I but think it does I even have sucralose. 
Yes, I do know that it has sucralose in it. So it could be the uh, sugar's lower because of that too. Perhaps. I mean, that is very, at least in part for sure. That is that is very true. I think I even said Lunchables had 22 grams of sugar and it's actually 22 grams of protein and eight <laughs> grams of, or I'm sorry, not true. 22 grams of carbohydrates, oh. eight grams of sugar. Man, 22 grams of protein, that'd be oof, a lot. So yeah, I was a little bit wrong on that. I kind of review because I again, I just I don't look at them often. Every once in a while, like probably when I first bought them, I did. But do you, you think know? if they have cheese and meat, you think twenty two grams is a lot? I'm sorry, I did I say Lunchables? <laughs> I meant I'm I'm gosh, I am totally no Uncrustables. Oh. Do you know how many times my kids will say we get the, these words confused all the time? Uncrustable and Lunchable. Why do they have to make them so similar? I'm talking. Uncrustables. I said they had 22 grams of sugar. They have 22 grams of carbs and eight grams of sugar. Woo! A third time is a charm. So what oh, was your question about lunch? That's not bad at all. Wow. No. Mm-hmm. So they I think must if I be made my own, small. They are. They are pretty small. Like if I made my own sandwich for the kids, it would be a little bit bigger. But yeah. truthfully, it probably wouldn't have, it would probably have the exact same amount of sugar. Okay. Respect so. Uncrustables. I, right. I, okay. <laughs> and they're so easy not the <laughs> cheapest but you can buy them in bulk just saying you're funny all right so moving on mom wins or favorite new products or recipes this might be a mom dad win um okay <laughs> sheet pan buffalo shrimp and veggies mm. it was super easy the sum was greater than the parts it was mm. a little spicy you could certainly back off on the buffalo uh, but in just the kind of the roasting process, you know, veggies get kind of like watery. And I would say the stickiness of all the sauce was um, not there. So it, it certainly gave flavor. But if your kids will tolerate any level of spice, this would probably be okay, um, okay. for them. So I I was a big fan. It was super simple. Okay. Sounds so good. We've been doing a lot of shrimp lately. So mm. we'll have to check that one out. All right. Mine is random, but Paige got this gem diamond painting kit for her birthday. And basically you just get this little sticky pad that almost looks like a gel pad and a pen. And you put the pen into the sticky pad and then you use that to grab onto the diamonds. Okay. The gem diamonds. And then you create pictures based on a template that they give you, you know, unicorns, bears, rainbows, Oh my gosh, this kept Paige busy for hours. I'm already scouring Amazon to see which ones I can buy to put under the tree because they're just, they're not real expensive. I think it's like $10 for 10 of these little templates. And I mean, it's fun. And it, you know, it has her concentrating and working on her, you know, pincer grip. I know she's seven. She doesn't need to work on that, but it's just, it's, it reminds me a lot of, um, when she was doing perler beads as a, when she was little, but she's kind of over those now. So she's been doing these and they're just so fun and you can hang them on your window. I just think that they're a great, great birthday gift. If you've got any birthdays coming up for kids. And then of course, uh, just great for your kids. If you're, if you're interested. I pulled them up. They look super cute and I'm totally queuing in Santa. Yes. Do it. Do it. Thanks, <laughs> yes. Gina. Oh, anytime. All right. Well, coming up on October 17th, we will be dishing with the body positive dietitian, Kimmy. Oh, I should have asked you this before I got on here. Sing? Sing. Is it Sing? Sing. 
Okay. Can we say for a conversation <laughs> around fat phobia, thin privilege, and more? I'm truly very excited uh, to hear that one. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. And if you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, until next time, everyone, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.